So if you were here last Sunday, you know that we're going to take four Sundays right here in a row and just have a look at some of the characters in the Bible, some of the stories of how they lived, how they experienced God, how they experienced one another, and hopefully in all of it, find something for us, uh, for our faith, for us to understand about our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. So we'll spend these four Sundays looking at some of the stories of the biblical characters, kind of like, I don't know, it's adult vacation Bible school for four weeks. We're just going to look at some of these Bible stories and some of the characters. Last Sunday, we started with Moses. And in particular, we looked at Moses' calling by God at the burning bush and what God did to get Moses' attention and how it was Moses' curiosity about what God was doing that led to his calling. And, And really that this calling from God was simply God putting the divine work in others' hands. And so today we're going to turn our attention to another Old Testament character, Ruth. In fact, there's a book in the Bible named after her, Ruth. There's only two books in the Bible named after women, Esther and Ruth. There's only one named after a Gentile woman, Ruth. And that shouldn't mean a thing. (laughs) But sadly, I think it still does, and it certainly would have at the time that the Bible, the experience of the Bible being lived out and written down. So we're going to read an excerpt from the book of Ruth. It's a relatively short book. If you're looking for something biblical to read this week, I recommend to you the book of Ruth. You could read the whole book in probably 30 minutes. Wouldn't that be nice to say this week, I read a book of the Bible. And really the whole story of the book of Ruth is about her experiences with her (laughs) mother-in-law. Got you now, don't I? I mean, you want to read it. And just to set it up a little bit, kind of like what Crystal was telling the children, the book starts by telling us about Elimelech and Naomi. And they lived in Bethlehem which is sort of the breadbasket of Israel. It's where the bread was made. But there was a famine. And so Elimelech and Naomi have to leave. They move from Israel to Moab, a a different country. They're, They're foreigners in a foreign land. And they take with them their two sons. And while they're living there, their sons come of age to be married, and they both marry. And they're married to two women. One is Ruth and one is Orpah. And while Elimelech and Naomi, their sons and their wives, are living in Moab, Elimelech dies. And then both his sons die. And so pretty soon in the story, we find Naomi and her two daughter-in-laws. Just the three of them. And they have to figure out what to do with life. So Naomi decides to go back home. She's going to go back to Bethlehem. And she tells her daughters-in-law to do the same thing. Go back to your homes. Go back to your family of origins. Make a new life for yourself. And so that's where we pick up in the story, in the scripture we're going to read today. From Ruth chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 8 through 18 out loud. And you can follow along on the screens. This is what it says. Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go. Turn back, each of you, to the household of your mother. May the Lord deal faithfully with you, just as you have done with the dead and with me. 
May the Lord provide for you so that you may find security, each woman in the household of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. But they replied to her, No, instead we will return with you to your people. And Naomi replied, Turn back, my daughters. Why would you go with me? Will there again be sons in my womb that they would be husbands for you? Turn back, my daughters. Go, I am too old for a husband. If I were to say that I have hope, even if I had a husband tonight, and even more if I were to bear sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you refrain from having a husband? No, my daughters. This is more bitter for me than for you since the Lord's will has come out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth stayed with her. Naomi said, look, your sister-in-law is returning to her people and to her gods. Turn back after your sister-in-law. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to abandon you to turn back from following after you. Wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do this to me and more so, if even death separates me from you. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her about it. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Yeah, I give thanks for Grayson Duke Nichols. Amen. And for Woody Talley, our guest organist this morning. Amen. Thank you. And Alan and our family choir. What a wonderful day of worship and music. By the way, that family choir is a standing open invitation for the next couple of weeks. So if you want to sing, just show up at 1030 in the choir room, jump in, let us have it. That story that we just read from Ruth about Ruth and Naomi and Orpah, that is a gut-wrenching scene. Like I think if they made a movie out of it, it would be the kind you know you just need to take your tissues in with you to the theater because you're going to cry. But it's in the midst of that pain. It's in the midst of that gut-wrenching story that we see why Ruth is in the Bible. And if I could just put a word on it, I think it would be compassion. Ruth's compassion for Naomi. And if I could use that word again today, just as I look around our world and our nation and I read the news, I want to ask, where is the compassion? When it seems like we're driven by so many other things. 
Thank God for the example of somebody like Ruth. But could you imagine where she was at in the moment in her life when we read these words? Her father-in-law dies. Her husband dies. His brother dies. All the men of their family, of their household. Remember, in a patriarchal society, all of the men in her family have died within a span of what we understand, probably 10 years or less of when she even got married. And there are people in this room that can relate to that story. Have loved ones who've died, who are very close to you, and can relate to that pain. Have experienced it more than once. And maybe in a short span of time. And so you know what Ruth was feeling, what Naomi was feeling, what Orpah was feeling. It, it actually makes me think about the personal story of one of my f- favorite entertainers uh, who's on TV these days. His name's Stephen Colbert. He took over for David Letterman a little while ago. Um, I've long been a fan of his. I think he's hilarious. But, um, but his personal story involves the loss of family members too. He's the youngest of 11 kids and um, when he was a child his dad and two of his brothers were killed in a plane crash and so suddenly instantly he's sort of thrust into this same place in many ways like Ruth and he's also a man of deep faith by the way devout Catholic uh, talks about it often, not only on his show, but, you know, when he's doing interviews or things. Still teaches Sunday school in his local parish. Just, I, I think a lot of him. But as I've heard him talk about going through that experience as a child and losing his father and two brothers uh, in a plane crash, he talks about the pain and the fear, the fear of loss, further loss, that can be so paralyzing in so many ways. And he talks about how he's come to a place of living, not avoiding the pain or the fear, hiding from it, but rather finding ways to enter into it. And even how it helped him as an entertainer when he would bomb, (laughs) to not try to recoil from that, but rather almost just step into it. And learn to be in it as a way to grow. To grow through and grow beyond that kind of loss and pain and suffering and struggle. And, and there's one interview where he said, I've learned to love the thing that I most wish hadn't happened. And he also goes on to talk about what a great inspiration and example his mother was for him who had to carry on and raise nine children. But we're given this scene with Ruth and Naomi and Orpah and it's run so deep with grief and pain. 
And it's one of the hardest things to deal with. To deal with our own grief and pain. Much less to deal with the grief and pain of somebody else like Ruth is doing with her mother-in-law, Naomi. Can we just admit that for most of us, it's hard to know how to deal with other people in their pain and in their loss? It's hard to know what to say or when to say. It's hard to know when enough's enough or that was too much or how often do I reach out? How close do I try to be? In fact, I, I think it is our default somehow for most of us, maybe it's just me, that when we're dealing with other people's grief and pain, we tend to put a little distance in between us. And sometimes even withdraw a little bit, just out of fear maybe, don't want to say the wrong thing or not sure. So whether it's conscious or subconscious, you know, we, we can sort of lean back or take a step away for not knowing who to be and how to be with somebody else in their grief. But it's in that moment where we see Ruth demonstrate, again, in a word, compassion. This committed care that she has for her mother-in-law, Naomi. And she had no obligation to lift another finger to go another step with Naomi. In fact, really her obligation was to do what Naomi told her to do, which was go back to her family. They had no bond anymore, no tie, nothing that would have required her to carry on and help Naomi and be there for her. So really what she should have done or would have done and most would have done and what Orpah did was go back to her family of origin and make a new life for herself and pick up her pieces and carry on. She, she had no obligation to Naomi to go back with her to Bethlehem to, to try to help, support, care for, or assist Naomi. I mean, she had her own struggles, her own pains. And this is where Naomi's experience with Ruth can be compelling for us. That in the face of what her obligations really were and that she had no obligation to Naomi. And in the face of all of Naomi's objections, I'm too old, I'm not going to have a husband for myself anymore, probably much less be able to have sons for you that you could marry and then make a life with. We got this long journey I'm going to take back to Bethlehem. Your family's here in Moab. In the face of all the objections, the absence of any obligations, Ruth still says no. I'm going with you. I said, where's the compassion today in our world? That like Crystal and kids said, you're mine. I'm yours. And I'm going with you. No matter what. Dare I say, sometimes I think we can fall into a temptation of more uh, conditional compassion that says, well, you know, 
if the circumstances are right and if I've got the time or, I mean, can we be honest, if, if I feel like there might be a gain or a benefit for me, you know, if, if it'll make me look good, if it'll look good on an application or a resume or if it'll look good in the community or socially for me to care and be compassionate or if I thought that maybe there's something I could gain out of this, that if I'm compassionate towards you or care for you, then maybe at some point down the line you'll return the favor or that maybe I'm just paying into some big cosmic karma piggy bank that one day I'll be able to make a withdrawal from since I've made a deposit into. But gosh, all of that just goes out the window with Ruth and Naomi because there is nothing that Naomi can offer to Ruth. And she makes it abundantly clear, I can't do anything for you. I can't return any of your care or generosity. There's no way I'll be able to repay this. Anything that you would do for me, Ruth. And yet anyway, in spite of that, we see Ruth demonstrating compassion to the depth that is in fact life-changing for Naomi and for Ruth. It's like we hear in Ruth the answer to Cain's question of God in the garden with Abel when Abel's gone missing and God asks Cain what's going on and Cain says, what, am I my brother's keeper? And in Ruth, we hear the answer that is a foreshadowing of the answer that we hear in Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah you are. And so in spite of the reasons not to, Ruth digs in and is loyal, fiercely loyal to Naomi to go with her back home. In fact, in the rabbinic tradition, they say that's the teaching. That's the point of this story. Hesed, loyalty. Ruth's loyalty to Naomi. To go back with her to Bethlehem and understand that Ruth as a Moabite would not be welcome in Israel. The Israelites and the Moabites did not get along. For no other reason than because when the Israelites were trying to make their way into the promised lands, the Moabites did them no favors and actually made it more difficult for them. In fact, there's a place in Deuteronomy where God says, no no Moabite will be welcomed into my household. And yet here's Ruth, the Moabite, for whom a book of the Bible is named, demonstrating for all of us a divine compassion when she agrees to go back to Bethlehem and be loyal to her mother-in-law, Naomi. The Lumineers have a song called Stubborn Love. It's great. It's not that new. It's a little bit old. It's a few years now. But there's a line in the song that says, It's better to feel pain than nothing at all. The opposite of love is indifference. And there came a moment in Ruth's life and in her journey where she had a choice to make. 
to maybe feel the pain with Naomi. And rather than be indifferent, to demonstrate compassion and love. And so, Ruth acts on that feeling of compassion. She goes with Naomi back to Bethlehem. They go back to where Naomi is from. And in fact, they go to one of the fields that is owned by a relative of Naomi. And Ruth does the only thing that she knows how to do and is able to do. And that is to go in the field after the harvest is being collected and glean the wheat from the field so that she and Naomi would have enough to eat. This was a practice of leaving the wheat, the, the droppings, leaving them behind for those who were homeless or hungry that was common in their day. And the people who were gleaning in the fields were those who, could, who had no land, no means of making a living for themselves, the least, the poor. And there goes Ruth in the field gleaning wheat for her and Naomi, and she catches the eye of the guy who owns the field, Boaz. And see, this is the point in the story where it takes a turn, where Ruth's compassion for Naomi begins to make an even broader impact. Because Boaz sees what Ruth is doing and inquires about who she is and how she got there. And he hears her story and her relationship to Naomi and what they've done. And he says, i got to meet her. And so he has a conversation with Ruth. Hears about her compassion for Naomi. And then before long, Ruth and Boaz are married. And then not long after that, they have a child. Ruth, who had no husband, whose mother-in-law said, if you come with me, i got nothing to offer you. I won't be able to have a child for you. Well, Ruth had a child. That is acknowledged in the book as being the one to carry on the lineage of Naomi, even after her husband and both of her sons had died. Ruth and Boaz have a child. His name is Obed. And then Obed has a child when he grows up. His son's name is Jesse. And then Jesse has a child when he grows up. And his name is David. And he becomes the king of Israel. Of the line of the Lion of Judah. The Savior. Jesus Christ. And here... And this short tie that binds kind of story in the Old Testament about Ruth, we see where Ruth's compassion became part of God's redemptive work in the world that gave us Jesus. We see how God worked through Ruth. through her committed care for Naomi, that in spite of the objections and the lack of obligation, all the reasons why she wouldn't, she cared anyway. And didn't just care, but was committed, fiercely committed, to be there for Naomi in her time and place of need. And God worked through that, not just for Naomi, not just for Ruth, not just for Boaz, but for all of us. 
down through history. There's something in this story of Ruth that calls us to compassion in our lives and in our world today. Where's the compassion? And you might say, well, how do I, how do I be more compassionate to the people around me? And we find a good pattern for that in Ruth. Let's say, I, I think one way it starts is you look for those opportunities and you take them. Big or small. I don't know, sitting praying for compassion that God's going to strike me or you with some big thunderbolt of compassion one day. I don't know, we wouldn't just be better off looking around to see where's the need in the lives of the people around us. Where's the hurt? The suffering? Where are our opportunities, big or small, to just take a step in care and compassion for somebody around us? And don't you have a vision for what that would look like as a community then? Just like as Ruth sort of rubbed off on Boaz and, and it became a part of their family and their identity and their lineage that gave us Jesus Christ. Don't you have a vision for a community of compassionate people? Not just for one another, but for all around us. That we would be seeking out, searching for, seeing the opportunities, the needs, and taking the steps wherever we can to help meet them in the name of Jesus. But knowing that when humans like Ruth and Boaz and you and me live compassionate lives, then Christ enters in more and more bringing God's kingdom come for everyone, everywhere. May we be a community of compassion today. Amen. In just a minute, we're going to sing.